Hey, good morning. Want to welcome you once again to uh, to our service here, Liberty Grace, and I want to thank you for your continued support as we roll out these things we we get to do new and different online. Uh, I want to say thanks to those that have been supporting the ministry as well as those who have been physically able to help us out through this process. You know, we have uh, a unique time in our world, and and it's caused me to really think about um, who we are as a church and how we're going to do things going into the future. And so I've chosen not to change the uh, the sermon material because it really does apply. It's as if God knew exactly what we needed to hear ahead of time as we continue to formulate our thoughts about who God is and what he wants us to do. And now we have some time to maybe let those things marinate and become uh, real in our lives. So today, I want you to think about a topic um, that, that we don't have a lot of context for physically right now. Because I want you to think about others. What you think matters about others. How you view your impact on other people. What it is that God may want you to be doing. And in this time, we have to think about it very differently. And it might look differently to you. So there are two principles that we're going to weave in and through this today. Something that you have heard me talk about before. If you're a, if you're a member at Liberty Grace or if you're an attender. Um, if you've been to uh, any of the funerals that I conduct, I try to weave this concept in as well because it's imperative that we understand the way that I view our world, okay, is that there are two tracks that we are living in simultaneously. We are living here in the reality, the physical nature of our world, and the Bible teaches us that that, that is so. We have a, a lifetime and a lifespan, and then we also have our eternal life that we need to look forward to. And so as we look at our individual lives in those two parallel tracks, the first intersection of those things uh, is when you're born. And you are born because God has had you in mind from eternity past until eternal life. And the physical nature is introduced to reality for the first time when you're born. It begins your life. The other end of your life, your death, is a guarantee as well. We have a lifespan, a day that has been marked out by God ahead of time. We have a certain period of time that we get to live inside of reality. Now, those two points are where you are definitely going to intersect with eternity. When you are born, there's an intersection. And when you die, there's an intersection. What it is that God had planned for your eternal nature begins at a certain point and intersects in reality. And then as you finish your life, it comes back into another intersection. And what will happen for your eternity? And both of those things matter because the situation, the surroundings you're born into dictate how many intersections you will have between life and death. How many intersections you will have with eternity in that matters. So why do I lay all that out? Because as I look at the things that we do physically for other people inside of our reality... We are to do good to other people. We are to do these things that God wants us to do. But as 
I see it the most important intersection that anyone can have between birth and death is an intersection with grace, the intersection with Jesus, the author, the perfecter of our faith. And so what you think about others matters. The reason I couch it this way is because as I think about the reality of everyone's life and there are needs and there are things that come up that we can meet in everyone's life, whether it just be encouragement, whether it be something physical as food. But we have an opportunity not only to help those realities, those everyday struggles, but we also have an opportunity to say, I am doing this because Jesus cares about you. And you are helping bring about intersections with eternity inside of reality. That's really what we're doing. Every time that we get to go out and do something for someone else, the opportunity you have to serve and to be a part of someone's reality is also an intersection opportunity with Jesus. That you have the opportunity to say, I care about you because Jesus cared about me. And so... I want us to take a look at chapter 2 in Philippians, and I want us to get an idea of what that really looks like and just kind of explain in reality here how we can weave eternity into our lives, how we can make sure that we are focused on the bigger picture of eternal things instead of just the lifetimes of people and making them comfortable here on earth and never helping them understand the concept of eternal life. So turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. If you're looking at version, which we use as well, great application. Uh, under the events, you'll find Liberty Grace, and you will see that we're in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4 for this first section. So Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from His love... If any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, there are kind of four things I want to highlight in those couple of verses. The first thing is that if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, comfort common sharing, tenderness, compassion, then, then the writer Paul here says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, to be minded as Christ. If you are a believer, if you have already had an opportunity for your reality to intersect with Jesus and you have made him the Lord of your reality, then you're a believer in Jesus and your perspective on others should change. If you are a believer and you have any comfort, then you need to be like-minded like Christ. And he tells us a couple of things right out of the gate. 
not to do, okay? Some of the things that we're not to do. And we'll look at a couple of verses in a minute that'll tell us what we're supposed to do. But the first thing it says is do nothing out of selfish ambition. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. And so if you're to be like-minded as a believer in Christ, then you do nothing out of selfish ambition. The way I rephrase that is that you do something that results in personal gain, that your motivation behind what you're doing is your personal gain. Do nothing out of selfish ambition. You, In the end, you say, okay, I want to impact this person's reality, but instead of linking it to Jesus and eternity, I'm linking it to my own personal gain. If I do these things for people, they will think well of me and I will gain something from the experience. I will gain personally from that. And the Bible specifically says that's not how we're supposed to treat others. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit is the second one. And I wrote down, do, do you do things that result in personal glory? So these two phrases, right? Do you do things that result in personal gain or personal glory? Those things have to be taken out of your way of thinking about other people. If I'm to be like-minded as a believer in Jesus, the things that I do to impact their reality can't be for my personal gain. That can't be why I am doing them. I can't hope that I get something back out of the deal. I can't hope that that somebody mentions me for a promotion or a scholarship uh, or on my resume. I can't do the things in reality that are good and right for people and hope that it benefits me. That's not what this is about. If I'm going to intersect someone's reality, I want to intersect them, not with personal gain, not with personal glory, but I want to intersect it with eternity. I want them to say, why am I doing this? Why am I, why am, why are you helping me? And I want to be able to say, because again, Jesus did this for me. I want to intersect their reality with eternity. I don't want to do anything for personal gain or personal glory, selfish ambition or vain conceit. The principle here that Paul uses is in humility, value others above yourselves. Would you humbly submit yourself in reality for the benefit of someone else eternally. Let me say that again. In humility, value others above yourselves. So would you humbly submit yourself in reality to their needs for their benefit eternally? Is that why you do it? Do you submit to Jesus and therefore put others higher than yourselves on the priority list because you care about their eternity? Yes, I care about their physical needs, but ultimately I want them to know that I love them because Jesus loved me. The second piece of this passage 
the second piece of this passage starts in chapter 5, or chapter 2, verse 5. Sorry about that. So verse 5 specifically talks about how Jesus lived his life out. It puts everything into kind of a nutshell. Verse 5 through 8, Philippians chapter 2. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Again, Paul reiterates being like-minded, having the same mindset as Jesus. If you're a believer, this was Jesus's mindset. I'm going to take care of people's physical needs, but I'm going to introduce them to eternal life. Here's how he did it. Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. I'm going to stop right there because you need to understand that if you listen to the message last week, you heard, what do we think about God matters. And you heard that we, we have an eternal God that is one God existing in three persons. And there's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus, here Paul, is saying, is God, being in the very nature, in his very nature, God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. So Jesus willingly submitted his life. And if you go back two weeks in the message series, you'll go back to where Jesus was on the cross and, and we're looking back to his sacrifice of Easter and he was consumed on purpose. He gave his life willingly for our benefit. So if I am to be like-minded and to not do things for personal gain or personal glory, if I'm going to humbly submit my reality for the benefit of someone's eternity, then Jesus is the perfect example. Because he willingly submitted himself, even though he was God, he submitted himself to something that was not to his own advantage. An illustration of this. As Jesus is on the cross, right? He and two thieves are hanging there and people walk past and say, if he's God, let him save himself. Come down from that cross. And Jesus could have done it. Three days later, he rose from the grave. If you think he couldn't have taken himself off the cross, you're mistaken. But he willingly did not use his status as God for his own advantage. He sacrificed his life as a ransom for you and for me. That was the example. He submitted his life to, to death, as we'll talk about in a second, for you. He didn't use his position, his reality, to his own advantage but he created the intersection of eternal life for all of our realities. By submitting himself and the reality of his life to humbly reach out to us, he made himself a servant. 
This is what the next phrase says. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He made himself a servant. So he took by very nature someone that was God, humbled himself to the position of a servant and then became obedient to death, even death on a cross. It's a pretty powerful picture of submission to others. As we try to follow Jesus' example, we see that he didn't consider his position more important than someone else's situation. Jesus continually became a servant to people. How do I know this? Because John chapter 13 gives us a, a pretty powerful illustration. Jesus already knows and is is becoming a servant to his disciples. He is obeying his father and he is going to go to the cross for our sake. But in John chapter 13, he lives it out. He is having the last meal with his disciples. He gets up from the table, puts a towel around his waist, and he takes the position of the lowliest servant in the house. Because that servant's job would be to wash the feet of the guests coming into the home. In John chapter 13, Jesus gets up from a meal and washes his disciples' feet to illustrate something to them. That, that he is there as they go throughout our world and they, they, their feet get dirty. They, they do things they maybe shouldn't do. They go places they shouldn't go and Jesus tenderly and lovingly washes away all the residual effect on their feet. That dirt, that grime from the world that we live in, it's removed. It's the daily forgiveness of our sins. The opportunity that we have to let Jesus wash us white as snow. He made himself the lowliest servant of others. He allowed himself in his reality to humbly submit to others for the benefit of the intersection of eternity. The most difficult thing for me, humanly speaking, to understand about that interaction is that Around that table, there were men that loved him, that cared about him and understood what he was doing and trying to get their mind around his purpose and his calling. But there was also a man that was about to betray him, Judas. Judas was sitting there amongst these men and Jesus, knowing the troubled mind of Judas, still washed his feet took the position of a servant and humbly submitted his reality for the sake of eternity. If you are to have any encouragement 
from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any sharing in his spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. He didn't do things for personal gain. He didn't do things for personal glory. He considered his position most valuable as a servant to others. And he became obedient. Even obedient to death on a cross. His life was consumed on purpose as we've walked through this last message series, I hope that you're hearing this, that your purpose should dictate your practices, that your reality should be on purpose so that your practices lead people to Jesus, that your purpose undergirds everything that you do, that you are, if you are a believer, if you are a believer and you want to express, if you want to embrace the encouragement, if you want to have comfort, then Paul says, make my joy complete by being like-minded. In this set of circumstances, we have had to deal with changing systems and new and different ways of relating to people. It is difficult to encourage someone with a hug or a smile when maintaining social distance and wearing a mask. And yet, I think it's possible for us to continue on purpose to help people out in their reality, to help them understand that, yes, at birth they were introduced to their reality and at death they will end that reality. But in the meantime, there is a really important intersection that they need to consider. There is the intersection with eternity that is meant for them. That there are times in which they have an opportunity to decide if they want to be a believer. Do they want to be like-minded, like Christ? Now, there's two factors here that I want you to consider. You've got some time, and I know that our world is different, and, and we're seeing things maybe more clearly than we would have if we didn't have so many things going on. And I want you to utilize some of the opportunities that you've been given to do some self-reflection, to take some time and think, am I a believer, first of all? Do I really believe that Jesus was here, that he died, that he rose again to change my eternity? And if I believe that, if I believe in reality, am I going to humbly submit my reality for the benefit of someone else's eternity? If my eternity is secure, then how am I going to use what God has given me for the benefit of someone else's eternity? 
the most practical thing I can tell you is to continue to meet the needs of people in reality. Continue to show up. Continue to be there. Reach out to some of your neighbors, whether it be just through a phone call or a letter or something like that. Continue to encourage their hearts and use the the things that God has given you to impact your world. But when someone says, why are you doing these things? Don't be afraid to say, I'm doing them because I believe this is what Jesus would do. Because I have learned what it means to have the mindset of Christ, to not use my position for my advantage, but to make myself a servant and to become obedient in my life. If you're a believer, this is, a, this is the toughest piece. There is grace to be had and, and you will have your eternity secure if you believe that Jesus saved you and, and is the ransom for your sin. That will change your eternity. But will you in turn then lay your life down humbly as a servant? Will you formulate your answer for me this week? Will you take some time, and we've done this before, take some time and write down your personal impact story. The time that, that you got to meet Jesus, that, that, that intersection happened for you so that when somebody says, why do you want to do all these things for me? You can say, because Jesus did all of this for me. Take a moment, write those things down, whether it be writing it out word for word or some bullet points, but memorize it. Keep it under a minute, maybe 30 seconds, something that you can say that, that this is why I do what I do. Allow your purpose to dictate your practices in life. Take the time to submit your reality for the purpose of someone else's eternity. You can be a good person, yes, but if you want to be a believer that is like-minded like Jesus, then the most important thing on his mind was eternity, not just helping people through reality. I want to pray for you and I want you to think about that story that you're going to write this week. I also want you to think about two or three people in your life that may need to hear that story. That that personal testimony of who Jesus is to you would make a difference in their eternity. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have to be engaged in what you're doing. Lord, thank you for the opportunities not only to meet people in their reality, to show up and to help them to understand that you love them physically here in this world, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to mature in our faith to such a place that we would be willing to tell others about how you changed our hearts, that we would utilize this time to really to self-introspect and to think about all the ways you've changed my life 
so that I could be a benefit to someone else's life. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing and I pray that you are going throughout the world right now opening people's minds and people's hearts. Lord, I pray specifically if there is somebody that listening that has not made this decision to make you the Lord of their reality, Lord, I pray that they do that today. That you would lead them in that, that you would bring them to their knees, that they might find the peace and comfort that they have been looking for. Lord, thank you for doing that for all of us. I pray that we recommit our hearts anew to the purposes of eternity. In Jesus' name, amen.